Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter, Do Death. Good evening, Phoebe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Yes. Uh, sorry about the bangs and whistles that you might hear outside tonight because it's uh, Diwali tonight and bonfire night tomorrow night. So um, there's quite a lot of people celebrating with lots of fireworks. So if, if you hear <laughs> fireworky noise, that's what it is. So, it's been uh, quite a lot already, hasn't there? Well, we've been just chatting before we started. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll die down in a little while. Who, mm. who knows? But, we'll uh, see. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, though, uh, I'd like to get straight on with Fred and Rose West Part 2. Yeah. I've done a lot of research into this story, and my notes are stretching on and on and on. So I really do think that probably this is going to be a three-parter. This is a lot more detail That sounds good up. to me. And I haven't even really <laughs> finished writing the story <laughs> to the end, but I think there's enough to to, uh, to tell you about. If you remember, at the end of last week, we learned that Fred West was living in a chaotic muddle of life and relationships, where he had become the father to three daughters with his first wife, Catherine Rena West, Nee Costello, and later with Rose West. And we also learned that a young girl who had moved from Scotland to be with Fred down in Gloucestershire, Anne McFall, had just disappeared in 1967 with no trace and nobody having reported her missing. I'd forgotten about Anne McFall. Yeah, don't forget about Anne McFall. And right at the end of the episode last time we discovered that Charmaine who was in actual fact Fred's stepdaughter from his first wife Rena West had disappeared and we jump forward slightly to 1994 when uh, all the excavations were being done and her body was found in the garden of a flat that they lived in in Midland Road in Gloucester. I remember that. Yeah so that's kind of where we got to and um, I know you were saying that uh, you thought that his daughter was a bit older than that when she died. And we'll yeah. we'll come to that tonight. We'll get that far tonight okay. to clear up that confusion. Charmaine, his stepdaughter, disappeared in June 1971. And that August 1971, Rena came down from Scotland where she'd been living with her lover up there to try and find her daughters. Who, <laughs> who were who were Charmaine. And Anne-Marie, those were her two daughters, Anne-Marie also being the daughter of Fred West, whereas Charmaine was the daughter of some other man. Yeah. She was extremely anxious about her children's welfare. And via social services, she found out about the flat at 25 Midland Road. And she intended to go there and, and discuss with Fred the possibility of having custody of her daughter's Makes sense. But of course, what she didn't know is that by the time she got there in August, Charmaine, her eldest, had already been murdered. Awful. So Rena turns up at the flat in Midland Road, and that was the last time that anyone ever saw Rena alive. Dum, dum, dum. One theory is that uh, perhaps when she got there, she saw that Anne-Marie was there, 
couldn't see Charmaine. And one theory is that perhaps Fred said to her something like, oh, Charmaine is staying with my mother for a little bit. Should we go over there and, and see her? He got I... Rena into the car, headed back towards Much Markle, which is the little village that uh, his parents were still living in, mm-hmm. and quite possibly strangled her and murdered her and did away with her body okay. then. Again, when the excavations and the uh, discoveries in 1994 took place, her body was found in a field near a small wood about one mile away from Much Markle, which was That's interesting. Which would give uh, sort of a bit of credence to the idea that perhaps mm. he he'd got her into the car and was heading over in that direction under false pretenses. Her body had been extensively dismembered. Placed in plastic bags. Mm-hmm. Um, a piece of metal tubing was found with her body, which might have indicated that she had been restrained somehow and perhaps subjected to some sort of sexual abuse as part of her murder. Jeez. What I ought to say as well is as this story develops, we're going to find there could be quite a few references to some uh, fairly violent sexual behaviour, which... Uh, if that sort of thing might upset our listeners, I suggest perhaps um, you, you listen with caution. In January 1972, Fred and Rose got married at Gloucester Registry Office. Fred described himself erroneously as bachelor on his marriage certificate. Not widower. Not widower, because that would have implied that Rena was dead. Yeah. And no one was expecting that. And... Um, well, there's no other way that he could describe himself. So, no. yeah, I suppose it was it bigamy because she was already dead. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't, would it? But because she was dead, so it's like you're bigamous if you if someone's dead. But um, but, but dead. Um, not on paper, she wasn't yeah. dead, was she? She was no. Just... So that's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. And later still, in 1972, while Rose was pregnant with her second child, and she was only 18 by this stage when she was pregnant with number two, number one being Heather, the Mm -hmm. first baby that Fred fathered with Rose, they moved to 25 Cromwell Street. Initially, it was rented from the council, but then Fred bought the three-story house from the council for Seven thousand pounds in nineteen seventy-two. Wow. Bargain. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Converting the rooms on the top floors to bedsits so that they could rent some of it out. Uh, Fred installed a sink and a cooker on the first floor landing so that lodgers wouldn't disturb the Wests who were living on the ground floor. Makes sense. So it must have been incredibly cramped because although it was a three-story house, it wasn't very wide. Um, I think the rooms that he'd converted on the top floors were really quite small. Right, um, okay. Tiny little rooms that he must have created out of what was already there just to get as many people in. So quite well the conditions were like living there. Yeah, pretty hard, I would have thought. Yeah, probably not great. So now there was Fred, Rose, Anna-Marie and Heather all living at 25 Cromwell Street together with various lodgers who who came and went. And then on the 1st of June, 1972, Rose gave birth to another daughter. And because of the time of year, she was called May June. Ah, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) And that's May as in M-A-E, 
rather than M-A-Y. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah. May. Mix it up a bit. Not long after the birth of May, June, Rose started working as a prostitute. Oh. She had one of the small rooms at the top of the house in Cromwell Street, which was referred to as Rose's room. So it must have been incredibly cramped up there. And I would have thought people that were living up there in these tiny rooms must have heard and seen what was going on. Yeah. Uh, Fred actually installed a separate doorbell for her. So oh, okay. that clients coming could ring one bell for Rosie's room and she'd wow. come down, let them in. And uh, yeah. And Rosie's room had several peep holes in the walls and things, Ugh. which Fred would use to watch her with her clients. That's gross. She also engaged in casual sex with men and women, getting her pleasure mainly from taking things to extremes. Over time, she and Fred amassed a large amount of sort of bondage equipment and S&M gear and all that sort of stuff, which uh, they would use to make the other person, the client, I suppose, cry out in pain, uh, which was a huge turn on for Rose. And Fred would sometimes join in with all of this. So it was all very strange. I mean, she's barely... 1920 yeah. at this stage. I mean, as long as it's consensual and that's what people want to do. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't kink shame people, um, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's just a bit extreme. The, the, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. We're paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this sadistic nature was not limited to these sex partners that, as you say, were perhaps consenting to this, but she would often beat the children sometimes with objects from around the house, to get some sort of sadistic pleasure, it, it is thought, because this was what she evidently enjoyed. Yeah. Stephen, not, not a nice lady. <laughs> no. In later years, when Stephen, their eldest son, came along, uh, he was born in 1973, while doing some of the household chores, which all of the children were hmm, told they had to do, let's mm-hmm. say, he was washing the floors with a bowl, and I think Rose tripped over this bowl of water oh. that he was using to wash the floor. She swore at him and hit him, and she actually picked up the bowl and smacked him over the head with it. Oh, no. So that's the sort of thing that she would do. And May, her second daughter, once had a knife drawn down her chest multiple times because Rose thought that she had taken a utensil out of the kitchen, which Rose couldn't find. Yeah. And she had these scars all over her her body from, yeah, I don't know, a knife attack, I suppose you could call it. How did other people not notice? Well, because they were very secretive. The family, Mm. um, yeah, the family just, they were forbidden to talk to anybody at school or any anywhere about what their lifestyle was like at home and in Mm. some respects they were made to think it was normal and natural and that everybody did this both heather and stephen tried to run away from 25 cromwell street at various times but both eventually returned only to be beaten further for deserting the house they were probably very young and they had nowhere to go but they were just so desperate to get out but when they came back they were punished for having gone in the first place. 
Uh, in actual fact, in the 20 years between 1972 and 1992, the West children, of which ultimately there were nine. It's quite a lot of children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were records of them having been treated in accident in emergency 31 times. Oh, my goodness. All injuries being explained as accidents. Even That's a though, lot of accidents. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about that, saying 31 times, but in 21 years, it's only like just over one, one trip a year between That's nine. That's not quite kids. a lot, though. Actually, yeah. That's only kind of three or four times each child, isn't it? Yeah. Over Which actually years. probably isn't. Huge but then I guess so. when you kind of put it into context of what you know now about what they were doing with their children, it kind yeah. of looks a bit more sinister. Yeah. All injuries being explained as accidents, but in all likelihood, they probably weren't accidents. They were probably inflicted injuries by Rose or Fred. And Rose was even violent to Fred. And there's records of him having been threatened with knives as well. He's a (laughs) Um, psycho. But the violence to the children didn't stop with the beatings or the cuttings. When Anna Marie was eight... Fred and Rose forced her into the cellar of Cromwell Street. And she was forced to strip, tied to a mattress on the cellar floor where Fred raped her, encouraged by Rose. Anna Marie was obviously very distressed by this, but Rose told her, everybody does it to every girl. It's a father's job. Don't worry (laughs) and don't tell anybody. That's horrific. This was the first of many times that Anna Marie would be abused by the people that were meant to be her carers. It's awful. Absolutely awful. But um, I guess, yeah. sorry, I was like, but I guess actually that's how Rose was brought up, wasn't it? Yeah, it by was. By being kind of, you know, yeah. raped by her, father. by her dad. So actually from yeah. her point of view, that's exactly how. And, and, and Fred had that sort of. of with his upbringing mom as, as well, well. So... observing his father molesting or his sisters and yeah. whatever it was that was going on with him and his mother and yeah. the animals on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, she's not a million miles away for them as a family. That was what happened to them, wasn't it? Just yeah. not, not what happens for the rest of society. Yeah. yeah. There were, of course, many other victims of Fred and Rose. The first and possibly luckiest victim of their warped behaviour was a young lady called Caroline Owens. Okay. In October 1972, Fred and Rose picked Caroline Owens up while she was hitchhiking, as, as she quite often did, between Tewkesbury and Cinderford, where she lived, after having visited her boyfriend for the weekend. Uh, the Wests were friendly. And Caroline told them how she wanted to leave home as she didn't get on well with her stepfather and she was looking for a job. The Wests offered her the job of being nanny to their children, which she accepted, and she moved into 25 Cromwell Street. And she actually shared a room with Anna Marie, who she noted was very withdrawn. Caroline noticed that there was this constant stream of men who were constantly (laughs) coming to the door uh, rose explained that she was a masseuse and these men came to have their aching muscles relieved well, she was. <laughs> yeah it's amazing um, she got that much business like you look at photos um, of her i cannot believe that people were paying for that yeah and fred also told 
Caroline, that he was an experienced abortionist if ever she needed his services. Oh, God. And she noticed that while she was living there in the house, that the conversations were nearly always about sex. Uh, Then Caroline was asked to join in their sort of sex circle. Oh, no. At which point she left the house after being there for not much more than a few days. I don't think it it wasn't very long that she was there. About a month later, she was found again by Fred and Rose hitchhiking, as she did. And again, they stopped and started to talk to her. And they said how sorry they were that they sort of frightened her off and that the children were missing her. And they offered her a lift home. Or so she thought. Mm -mm. But on the journey, Fred stopped the car. He punched Caroline until she was unconscious and then took her to 25 Cromwell Street. There, they went on to assault her and abuse her in the horrific ways that we came to learn about the Wests. In the morning, after a whole night of most horrendous abuse and torture, which I'm not going to go into details about, but if anyone wants to Google what happened to Caroline Owens, it won't be too difficult to find out. Fred threatened her by saying that he would lock her in the cellar and allow his friends to abuse her. Jeez. And then bury her under the paving stones of Gloucester if ever she let on about what was going on there. Mm-mm. He then went on to rape her. And afterwards, though, he calmly asked her if she would return to work for them. <laughs> now, I think by this time, Caroline Owens had realised that her life was in real danger. Um, yeah. Rose had been part of all of this torture and violence overnight. She'd had to go off to uh, look after the children being in the morning, get them off to school. And this Jesus. is when Fred was having this this conversation and, and raped her he calmly asked her if she would work for them again and she just tried to placate him basically yeah. and said yes yes of course she actually started doing some cleaning for them that very day oh and she was God. doing and she was doing hoovering and things like that around the house and then when she spotted an opportunity she just got out of that house and ran and managed to get home she actually confessed to her mother what happened yeah she was covered in injuries she was extremely upset and her mother went straight to the police fred and rose west were arrested and charged with assault indecent assault and actual bodily harm and rape the case was heard in gloucester magistrates court on the 12th of january 1973 but Caroline Owens decided not to testify in court. So Fred and Rose were freed, and they were fined £50 each (gasps) for the actual bodily harm. Oh, my God. But then allowed just to walk free. Ridiculous. There are interviews with Caroline Owens, which you can find those on YouTube if if you Google Caroline Owens. Yeah, and she tells the story of how that happened. But... I think Fred and Rose West learnt from that episode and I think they pretty much vowed never to allow any of their victims to escape again. Oh, hmm. well, so if, if they don't escape, they can't go to the police. Exactly that, yeah. So just three months later, in April 1973, 
the Wests committed what is believed to be their first known murder together. Linda Goff was 19, who was known to one of their male lodgers that was living in the house. She was around there frequently. And in the end, she moved into 25 Cromwell Street. But then, strangely, she disappeared. Mm-mm. Now, people were told who asked her after her that she was asked to leave the house after assaulting one of the children. And this was the story given to Linda Goff's mother when she inquired after her. Now, when her body was eventually discovered in 1994, two tubes were found um, in sort of her nasal passages, possibly that so she could still breathe while her face was covered completely in parcel packaging mm-hmm. tape, but not able to scream. As she was tortured in the cellar, uh, her body had been dismembered and some small bones were missing, which is something that seems to happen every time. It's their modus operandi. The the body is quite often decapitated. Well, it's always decapitated, dismembered, and some small bones, like from fingers and toes, probably possibly kept as well. Yeah, possibly kept as trophies. Trophies. Yeah. In actual fact, uh, when police did find Charmaine's body back at Midland Road, the same thing was noticed there that there were some small bones missing. That's from, from from the skeleton. It is likely that Linda Goff had been suspended from a beam in the cellar while she was being abused, and she probably died from some sort of asphyxiation. So whether she was strangled, whether she was just suffocated with this tape, who knows? And her body was one of the ones found in the garden area of the property. Mm-hmm. Later in part three, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about how and where they found all the the bodies. Okay. But suffice to say, and I think everybody who knows anything about the Wests will know that they found some bodies under the floor of the cellar of the house. And they were all thought to have died in the cellar after having been stripped, assaulted, abused, tortured, probably by hanging from the beams in the cellar while Fred and Rose did these horrendous things to them. Possibly with these implements that they used. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can imagine probably the sort of mm. horrendous things that happened down there. I'd rather not. <sighs> how the children, how the other lodges in the house, whatever, weren't aware of what was going on. I mean, yeah, we've, we've lived in houses with cellars. <laughs> they're yeah. Not, <laughs> they're not that. Um, it's not like a bunker, is it? Like... No, it, it's just below the floor of the. Yeah living room or whatever isn't it they're not yeah. that uh, yeah um there are some pictures of of the cellar of, of okay. 25 Cromwell street which uh which we could put it was quite big actually there's quite a lot of space in it but nevertheless it is what it is it's just the cellar yeah um, underneath the uh living area on the ground floor i'd love a house with a cellar i think they're really cool <laughs> not for yeah. this reason but um <laughs> they can be very damp as well yeah that's true so, yeah, we know now that five further bodies were found in the ground under the floor of the cellar. All had been dismembered and decapitated before they were buried. And I'll just mention the five people that were known to have been found mm-hmm. there, probably in the order in which that they were 
killed because of dates of when they were last seen or reported missing okay. by yeah, people. So the first one was Carol Ann Cooper. She was just 15. Jeez. She was probably dragged into Fred's car while she was waiting for a bus after a trip to the cinema. And she disappeared in November 1973. Lucy Catherine Partington, she was 21. She disappeared in December 1973. Pretty close. Yeah. Teresa Seigenthaler, she was 21. She was last seen in April 1974. Shirley Hubbard, 15. She disappeared in November 1974. And Juanita Marion Mott, she was 18. She was last seen in April 1975. They were all really quite young then. They're all very young. They were probably, in all cases, picked up from the side of the road, but bus stops, hitchhiking. Because in the seventies, the hitchhiking was still very, very popular. I mean, even then, I'd have thought <clears throat> young, young girls, young women yeah. on their own, were still taking a risk. It's not a no. thing that you do now, is it? <laughs> it's not something you do now. No, it, yeah, nothing as much has changed. So after those five bodies had been buried, Fred then concreted the floor of the cellar and converted it into a bedroom for his older children to oh, God. use as their yeah for the, as their room with the bodies in the, oh. with the bodies underneath yeah their next murder was in May 1978 Shirley Ann Robinson met Fred in the Green Lantern Cafe a year earlier and she ended up lodging at 25 Cromwell Street she was heavily pregnant possibly with Fred's child although we'll never Mm-mm. know and Rose resented Shirley for being in the house and being pregnant because at the same time, Rose was also pregnant and wanted Shirley out of the way. Now, whether there was some rivalry, some jealousy, some anger, <laughs> whatever, yeah, towards, towards Shirley, if she did suspect that uh, that she was carrying Fred's child, yeah. yeah. Her body, again dismembered and decapitated was one of the ones found in the garden in 1994 when the police carried out their excavations the baby's body had been removed from her but was found nearby again with some of its bones missing oh my god anyone asking where shirley had gone were told that she had gone to live with her father in west germany in August 1979, Fred and Rose befriended 16-year-old Alison Chambers. She had run away from a children's home nearby, somewhere in Gloucester, uh, and she moved in to become nanny for the West's children. Okay. Seems to have a lot of nannies, one way or another, or people going to look after the children. Yeah, they've got nine of them. They need someone to help them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Again, when her dismembered body was found in the garden, there was evidence of sexual violence that had been carried out against her as well. Jeez. In 1979, when she was aged just 15, Anna Marie ran away from 25 Cromwell Street. She left after having spent about a week in hospital, having been treated for an eptopic pregnancy, where she'd had to have an operation to... um, to sort things out. 
So she was now back home. She was also carrying out some household chores, as was required by all the children in the mm-hmm. house, where Rose thought that she was doing something wrong, and she actually kicked her in the stomach. Mm-mm. Rose actually kicked Anna oh Marie God. in the stomach. Yeah. After she'd just been treated for an After she'd just pregnancy. been treated for an ectopic pregnancy. Jesus. This is the sort of level of violence and... Depravity. <laughs> Depravity, sadistic nature of, of Rose West. So Anna Marie decided that she couldn't take any more. She just went never to return. After that, the next daughters in line, Heather and May June, became the focus of the West's sexual violence. Because up to then, Anna Marie had been <laughs> the one oh, that was, was getting it all. Remember, she was eight when mm, uh, she yeah. had first been uh, subjected to that treatment. Now, at this stage, Heather and May were aged eight and seven, respectively. But nevertheless, they were frequently abused and raped. Um, and, and, And that only increased as they got older. Fred claimed he wanted to impregnate both of them. And he would make all of his children watch pornography with him. Oh, my God. Heather, May and Stephen were all of a similar age. And all three of them formed a sort of a pact to never let any one of the other three of them be alone with Fred. So that there was at least one other of the three of them together at all the time. The girls would only shower or use the bathroom when Fred was either out of the house or if one of the other two stood guard at the bathroom door. Oh, my God. Stephen was told that when he reached the age of 17, he would have to have sex with his mother. Oh, God. But for one reason and another, that never happened. Now, Rose was still working as a prostitute, and one of her most regular clients was her own father. I mean, how... This whole thing (laughs) is just disgusting. It's it's On, like, every level that it could be. I mean... You know, sometimes I think I'm not the best parent and then you hear this story and <laughs> yeah. it really makes me feel like I'm doing a pretty decent job. Yeah, Compared I don't think we can be the best. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, after Heather, May and Stephen, Rose went on to have another five children, but only two of them were fathered by Fred. Wow, Okay. Whether her own father was the father of one of her children, don't know, but more likely to be paying clients yeah. or someone that she's having. Yeah. And, this uh, is like genuinely making me feel a bit sick. <laughs> yeah. So she had eight children and then there was Anne Marie. So that's nine. And there had been Charmaine before that. So there were 10, ten children involved altogether. Now, Heather started to tell friends at school about her mother's strange lifestyle and the abuse that she was getting. Mm. Heather was reluctant to change her clothes at school for things like gym and games. But on one occasion when she did, it was obvious that she was covered in injuries. Now, these were passed off again as accidents or injuries from fighting with her numerous siblings, and nothing was ever done about it. So there was an opportunity there, perhaps, to to notice Mm. these things. And maybe today that would happen. But this was the early 80s. 
Um, yeah, I think safeguarding has gone a long way since then, hasn't it? I think it probably has, yeah. Maybe this case has um, yeah. pushed that along a little bit further. Heather left school in 1986 when she wasn't quite 16, but she applied for numerous jobs because she was just desperate to get away yeah, from, from Cromwell Street. She even begged her older sister, Anna Marie, who was now living elsewhere, with a partner, and I think she had children of her own by then, Wow! Uh, if she could live with her. But Anna Marie said no, because she had her own children to look after, and she thought Heather was still too young. That was a decision that Anna Marie has regretted for the oh, rest God. of her life. There's an interview with Anna Marie, which okay. you can uh, find on YouTube, which is really quite touching. She comes across in it as being really quite a a lovely lady now, a lovely, soft, gentle woman who just sort of talks about family life, just matter-of-factly like you talk uh, about it, but with all these horrific things in it. And it's it's interesting to hear her say that it was horrendous, but she loved her parents because mm. they were her parents, and but she had to get out of it, but... She still yeah. loved her dad because because he was her, her dad. dad. And Fred had spent all that time in her early years looking after her yeah. and Charmaine um, in that weird period when he was sort of be- <laughs> between yeah. Rena and and Rose. Yeah. But, yeah, if you get the opportunity, just, just look up um look at that. interview with Anna Marie. I, I guess he's a few years old now, the, the one I watched anyway, and I think there might be others. But... Uh, she was. I don't think you can look at her as anything other than a victim. Oh no, absolutely this. not. No, um, she had yeah. no idea what was going to happen. She had no. no, and she had to look after herself at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, she, she did. Yeah, yeah, and she says in that interview how she regretted not doing more for Heather. Mm. Yeah. So Heather pinned her hopes on on getting a job as a chalet maid in a holiday resort in Torquay. Nice. Um, she was applying for jobs everywhere and she'd hoped she got this job. On the 18th of June, 1987, so she was 16 by now, she received a letter from this holiday company to say that she'd been unsuccessful, possibly because she was too young. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can't say. It is said that she cried and sobbed all that night because she had so much hope yeah. pinned on being able to escape this. She had nothing, nowhere else to go, no other options than to try and get a job where she could move away. The next day, on the 19th of June, her siblings went to school, as usual. But when they returned, Heather had disappeared. Mm-mm. And I think that might be what you are thinking of when we were talking about Charmaine. Yeah. So this is a second daughter albeit Charmaine was kind of like a stepdaughter uh that has disappeared and I think that's where we'll end this this part and in the next episode we'll find out what happened to Heather what happened to the rest of the West family when uh, all this started to unravel mm. but yeah as you can see it's a pretty disturbing just awful uh, story it is totally awful it's just totally awful there's so many people involved yeah i mean so many children so many 
just random people that they picked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just so brutal and so brutal, dirty and bleh. yeah, the whole thing's just awful. I'm just awful, trying to awful. imagine what it'd be like being a lodger in. Oh my god, no! <laughs> in one of these tiny little rooms that Fred had made out of people you know, screaming the in the cellar. Yeah, and screaming in Rosie's room as well. Which, uh... Children being beaten and raped and all sorts of awful things around you. Blah. Yeah, yeah, horrible, awful. So we'll leave it there, and uh, and let's step back into reality with the uh, mm. true crime news this week, Phoebe. Well, I think the big news this week is about that little girl in Australia who disappeared. She was taken oh, for campsite, yeah. and then they found her. How incredible is it that? It is incredible and quite unexpected, I would have yeah. thought. And they said, like, she was clean. She was well fed. Like her hair had been brushed. She'd been really well looked after, kind of yeah. in this situation. She hadn't been like, you know, locked in a cellar or anything like that. And I think they found her in a room just playing with some toys. Incredible. Um, and yeah, absolutely incredible that they managed to find her. Um, yeah, some some good news which we don't hear a huge amount of. Yeah, really. that, that is really good news. That that's uh, an abduction story which has got a really happy ending. So yeah. I, I hope she's okay. I hope the family can uh, yeah. recover after that that trauma, and uh, they managed to. Yeah, they were saying that like, you know, lives. eighteen days, and they're all kind of thinking the worst. Like either they were never going to find her if they did find her. Yeah. She was going to be dead, but she wasn't. She was alive, and she seems well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, maybe she won't remember much saying. about it. No. Um, another piece of news that caught my attention today is that. Um, well, it's a court case that goes back to a crime that was committed in January of this year, January 2021, when 93-year-old Eileen Dean was severely beaten by a fellow resident at a South London old people's home, and she died later that evening in hospital. That's so sad. Uh, her attacker was 62, who also lived in the home, which is a bit strange because he was... Um, yeah relatively young he had a history of violence and threatening behavior well the family are now looking to find out how someone with his profile with his history came to be living in a home with vulnerable elderly people i mean he was well he was 30 years younger than she was you know (laughs) he was he he may have had some mental problems but physically he was very strong and um, yeah yeah was able to do that I believe that uh, she'd been beaten with a metal walking stick. That's brutal, that is. Yeah. I've not really seen much else. I don't really have time for the news this week. I've not even watched any court TV. <laughs> no court TV. What's the big one that's going to start? Oh, the... Um... Daybell starts on Monday. Next Monday? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> not that we have time to watch that either, but uh, yeah. So there we go. Um I'll put some pictures relevant to tonight's episode of the Fred and Rose West story mm-hmm. onto our socials. There'll probably be pictures of the victims that we uh, we talked about earlier. Yeah, okay. And a few of the house that, uh, that I've got. Uh, and then next episode, we'll look into how they got caught, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and what mean, happened there. I can't remember how it all comes to an end, so I'm looking forward to hearing... Part three. Yeah, it's as complicated as the rest of the story. (laughs) (laughs) 
the whole thing's complicated. I don't know how they found the time to do all this with nine children. (laughs) I mean, why were they going out cruising around the lanes around Gloucestershire picking up these lone women when they've got kids at home that needed? (laughs) But they didn't have Netflix, so they wouldn't have had as. Yeah, anywhere near as much uh, things to <laughs> fill their time. Yeah. Well, thank you, I think, for part two of uh, Fred and Rose West. It's it's, uh, it's been disturbing. Thank you. It's disturbing, um, and it's a big story. It's a huge story. And yeah. just crazy that I got away with it for such a long time. I mean, we say that a lot, but crazy yeah. that they were getting away with it for such a long time that nobody picked up on anything until, you know, obviously... Yeah, I'm assuming later on. But the fact that they've managed to kill so many people and bury them in their garden and in their cellar without anyone noticing. Noticing, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, as as we heard, sometimes mothers would come and try and find what happened to their daughters. Mm. And they were always told a story. Well, that's what happened to Rena, wasn't it? Yeah. So you'll put some photos on Instagram. I will. Um, And you can find us at Dad and daughter do death on Facebook at Dad and daughter do death, and you can email us about tonight's very disgusting story at Dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening to us. If you have enjoyed, feels like the wrong word, but if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a rating or a review or download, subscribe and share. Yes, indeed. So join us again next time when once again, dad and daughter do death.